Good morning and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It is wonderful to see all of you gathered here for worship today and to know that there are many of you worshiping with us online. As you're preparing for worship, if you would take a moment and notice the pew pad at the end of the aisle, register your attendance so we will know who's worshiping with us today. And if you're worshiping online, just leave a comment. We would appreciate that. Here are some ways you can connect with First United Methodist Church over the coming week. The United Methodist uh, Women in Faith will meet September 11th at noon in the gathering room. The program will be presented by Eve Hamrick from Second Chance. The topic will be assisting victims of domestic and sexual violence. To make reservations for the luncheon, please contact Dolores Abney at 256 4580376. If you didn't have time to get that number and would like to make a reservation, see me after the service and I will get you in contact with her. Also, something new to the life of First United Methodist is Do You Know? To introduce new members to our congregation, we're creating a feature called Do You Know? on our sanctuary and lobby screens as well as in our online church newsletter. Anna Mullen will be contacting new members by phone to get biographical information and her husband Neil will take casual photographs between the contemporary and traditional services each Sunday. We wanted everyone to know so they wouldn't be surprised when contacted. As time goes by, we'll also be featuring long-term members as well. In addition to those announcements, there will be a called charge conference on September 20th at 5 o'clock, and this will be a go-to meeting, so it will be a virtual charge conference. Back this spring, the church voted to sell the parsonage, and we currently are in the, the process, have a contract on the house, and are looking toward closing. So we need to have a charge conference in order to officially uh, set the price and approve the details of that matter. So if you are a member of the Board of Stewards, you will automatically receive a link to that charge conference. And if you are not and would like to participate, please call the church office and we would be glad to get a link to you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us so that we might be renewed, so that we might encounter you, and so that we might grow in our discipleship. May this time of worship give you glory and help us in our journey of faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let us remain standing as we affirm our faith together. The words to the Apostles' Creed can be found on the screen or in your worship bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated. And as we prepare to offer our gifts to God, I want to offer a word of thanks to two incredible young ladies who stepped in to do a job that needed to be done today in service, our acolytes. And one of them is a guest worshiper with us today. Thank you so much, ladies, for leading us in worship and being a great example to all of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we thank you for the gifts you've given us, the gift of resources and service, of being present today. God, may we use these gifts to return to you so that many might know your love and your grace. Bless these gifts, multiply them, and guide us in their use. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
You may be seated. And children, you're dismissed to Children's Church with Miss Catherine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with concerns and, and needs in our lives. We have on our heart those who are sick and struggling, those who doubt and those who mourn, those who are dealing with work struggles and addiction, those who have lost their way. Heavenly Father, we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would send healing and grace to all these situations, and not only situations that we name before you in our heart, but for us too as well, dear God. We ask that you calm our spirit, give us hope, forgive our sins, and draw us closer to you. Be with us and bless us. Bless First United Methodist Church, our community, our nation, and our world. This we pray in the name of the one who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who process. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
That was a beautiful choir. Thank you very much. So this Sunday, we uh, continue a sermon series entitled Get in the Game using illustrations from football. Now, I want you to know that this sermon series was planned about the end of July. And I wrote the sermon that I'm about to preach two weeks ago. In fact, I preached it Thursday night to Thursday night worship. So this is not intended for any particular person or particular person who is not here today because today we talk about loyalty, an ill-timed sermon, I guess. But to, to bring levity to this situation in the sermon for today, I'm going to start with a true story that is a bit humorous. When I served a church in Anniston, there was a man who owned a gun shop on Highway 202, and he frequently brought his dog to work with him. Now, this dog uh, was well known in the community, and any time that someone would come in the gun shop, he would ask the dog, would you rather be a dead dog or an Auburn fan? And to this, the dog would roll over and play dead. Now that is loyalty. There is no question where the allegiance of that dog was. But allegiance and loyalty in our society may not be the same as it is with the, the dog or was with the dog on the, in the gun shop on Highway 202, especially when it comes to football. Because when it comes to football, loyalty can be a mixed bag. You, of course, have football fans who are loyal to the end. Win, loss, change of coaches, years of probation, building years, they're all about their team. And then you have fans who are a bit more fickle. Their allegiance shifts with the wind, with coaches, with change of players and the record of the team which they claim to support. We can all name examples of teams when the season started, it was not predicted to go well. So tickets were cheap and you could get them easily. But as things turned around for the team, tickets would become more expensive and harder to get. Or we can all name fans who at the beginning of the game were cheering on their team with gusto. But by the end of the game, they were calling for a change in quarterback or a change in coaches. And it's written right here. I didn't have, that was not based on anything that happened last night. <laughs> With Christ, we are not called to be wavering. We are called to be steadfast. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be loyal. As we looked at last week, we are called to love God completely with all our heart, mind, and soul. Loyalty to the one true God is not a trait to be admired, but a virtue to be practiced. Long ago, in the land of Israel, a prophet posed a question to the people, and I believe it is a question which may be relevant to us today as we think about our loyalty. How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If Lord is God, follow him, but if it is Baal, follow him. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, verses 17 through 24. That is 1 Kings 18, 17 through 24. Hear this message from God's word. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, all Israel assemble for me at Mount Carmel, and for the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if, it, if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophet, number 450, 
Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the way it challenges us and helps us grow in discipleship. And as we look to the prophet Elijah today, I pray, God, that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And now for the rest of the story. So as you heard in scripture, Ahab and Elijah have a confrontation. And Elijah calls for a showdown. He alone will go up against the 450 prophets of, of Baal. So they gather together, he gathers the people, and he calls for their loyalty. He said, if God is God, follow God. And if Baal is Lord, follow him. Well, the people don't even answer. And Elijah takes two bulls. He takes one and prepares uh, the altar sacrifice for God. Now, if you keep reading past the scripture reading for today, you will know that he not only prepares an altar for sacrifice, but he douses the sacrifice with water and the wood with water and the trench around it with water. And remember, Israel is in the midst of a major drought, and this water is very precious. But he floods everything with water. And then there is the prophets of Baal. 450 prophets gathered here take and make their sacrifice ready. And they start making a big scene. And if you keep reading, you will see that they yell and dance, and Elijah starts to mock them. And he says, maybe your God's wandered off, or maybe he's on a journey, or maybe he's sleeping. And this just incites them to yell and, and make a larger spectacle of themselves. Of course, their God is false with no power. And it's, it's not a, a question, but they, they keep on, and they begin to cut themselves, offering a blood sacrifice. Blood's pouring everywhere. They're getting louder, and nothing happens. And Elijah calls on God. And fire comes down, consumes the sacrifice, dries up all the water, everything is burnt. And you would think with this display of power, there would be no question of God's power and authority. But it only serves to infuriate Queen Jezebel. And Elijah finds himself a man on the run after this showdown. What a, a powerful image and scene for all of us to think about. I've always been intrigued by it, this great showdown between Elijah and the prophets. And it's a dramatic scene, more dramatic than any Super Bowl, SEC championship, or national championship. Here you have one Elijah with all these prophets. And it would appear that it would be a one-sided matchup but we know the power of the one true God, and it was not one-sided at all. In the great showdown, Elijah makes a call. If the Lord your God is God, follow him. And if the false God is Lord, then follow him. Decide your loyalty and decide your God. In this game, you needed to decide who you would follow. Of course, the people wouldn't want to make that commitment. There was no commitment there. But this commitment had major consequences as our loyalty to the Lord does as well. When it comes to football, fans are quick to declare their loyalty. I've heard it said before that when you enter the state, you have to declare, are you going to be an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan? And people do declare their loyalty. They'll wear clothes. They'll shout out for their team. They proudly support their team. It's a moment of passion and excitement. That kind of initial declaration is, is part of being a fan. But the real test comes when the going gets tough. How do you respond when there is trial 
and difficulty? Can you stand with your team even in the worst of times? True loyalty is not about being fair weathered. I remember back in middle school, I decided at a particular juncture that loyalty would be important when it came to life. It actually happened in an Iron Bowl game. A friend invited me to her house to watch the game with several other friends, and we were gathered there, and Alabama lost the game to Auburn. When the game was over, there weren't many people gathered around the TV set. And as I've told you before, I'm not a huge football fan, so I really didn't care what was going on on the football game. But I decided I needed to sit there and watch the game no matter what. I decided loyalty was an important virtue. Loyalty is a virtue to be practiced, a discipline to be practiced. And that's not only with the team that we support on the field, but it's also in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Loyalty is how we live for Christ day in and day out. It's how we are in the world. Now, we can all name examples of diehard fans who are fickle when it comes to their football team, but what about the church? What about us as followers of Jesus? In the United Methodist Church, when we join the church, the question is, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Loyalty isn't about the profession moment, but it's how we uphold the church day in and day out, especially Things are less than ideal, and we're struggling along the way. Loyalty to Christ and his church is not about a moment of conviction when we show our allegiance to Jesus. It's not only the moment when we profess his lordship in our lives and make a decision to join the church. Loyalty is how we respond to Christ each day, in the highs, in the lows, in the in-between. It is a daily discipline. It really is our praying for the church, our showing up for worship, our stewardship, our service, our witness, and how we show ourselves as team loyal. Our loyalty for the church in Christ comes as how we live each day. This is especially true in times of difficulty. How do you respond in difficult situations? You know, there are times when we feel like we're struggling, we're doubting. We feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I encourage you, when you have those times of struggle, to dig in, to keep praying and keep seeking Jesus because I promise you, Jesus is always with you. He is there, especially in times of trial and difficulty. I remember the words of James in his letter, flee from the devil and the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. It's as Jesus called us and invited us to do, and, and we sang earlier, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek, knock, keep on searching, dig in and pray. And I promise Jesus will meet you in the middle of your struggle. Keep on keeping on, and you will find Jesus there. And what about the church? We've all had times when we've been frustrated with the church. I would encourage you in those times to lean into your membership vows. Pray harder for the church. Show up, worship, serve, dig in, and keep praying. Pray that God will change your heart and align you with his will and the church with his will. And I believe that God will show you direction in the middle of that, that hardship. Back to what I said earlier about seeking, searching, and finding. You know, I often believe we find what we're looking for. I've said from this pulpit before that you do. You focus on what you're looking for. You find what you're looking for. So if you're looking for something to be disgruntled about or dismayed about or upset about, you're going to find it. And if you're looking for the presence of Christ, if you're looking for joy and blessing, you will find it because Christ is here among us. And if you're looking for Jesus, you will find Jesus even in those times of trial. I believe that 
God will show his will. Now, with football, we all are individual. We all have different ways of responding. Fans are different. For example, an Alabama fan might be like me, and admittedly, I, I went to bed before the game was over last night. You might have people like Miss Dorothy who went in her prayer closet last night. <laughs> or folks like Mary who went to the game and showed up today in church because her mama said what you did on Saturday should not affect what you do on Sunday. Or sweet Lucy Gilbert who showed up to the 9 o'clock service with all her fan gear on and a beautiful smock dress. We have different ways of responding. And Christ calls us to respond to his church with loyalty, with love, with seeking, with searching, with our heart, day in and day out. Because as we seek to be loyal followers of Jesus Christ and grow in faithfulness, Christ meets us where we are and we find him. So what would happen if that great showdown between Elijah and the false prophets of Baal happened today, or the false prophets of our world? What would happen if Elijah came back and created a challenge? I don't believe there would be sacrifices in an arena or uh, something, something like, hap like happened in the Old Testament would happen today. But I believe that God would show his power again, and I believe the question would be the same. So maybe that's a question we need to take with us day in and day out. A question we need to remember. If God is God, follow him. And if the false prophets have no power, then there you go. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this call to us from thousands of years ago from Elijah. Help us to hear that call new to our lives and to seek you and lean in to be loyal and faithful followers of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 419, I am thy Lord as we stay and sing.
that if you have a prayer need in your life or would like to unite with First United Methodist Church, either by transfer of membership or profession of faith, or if you seek the sacrament of baptism, that I'm available after the service to meet with you and talk with you more. It is my joy to announce that Molly Horton united with our church by transfer of membership at the celebration service earlier today. If you know Molly, uh, please see her around. Please welcome her. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Be thankful.